Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech, Apple, Meta, and Discord fell for a very clever social attack. Windows 11 fixes the problems with setting defaults that it's had since, well, basically the start. We have a roundup of all the good April Fool's Day jokes, and the 3090 Ti is out. I'll give you my thoughts on its existence and what does it mean for the GPU space. All that and more coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Hey, remember when I said I was going to go ahead and, uh, remember when I said I was going to go ahead and, uh, switch everything so that you guys could hear those April Fool's jokes and I never switched everything back? Yeah. Good times. Good times. Whoops. All right, let's try that again. Three, two, one. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Northstream. Good already this. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We did it, everyone. We managed to do it. We managed to survive another April Fool's Day. I don't know what it is with the recent increased hatred of April Fools. It might just be a sign that a lot of senses of humor are vanishing, which by the way makes me very sad. It really, really does. We're going to get into an actual roundup of all the good April Fool Day's joke, which I also just realized I forgot to include Among Us's uh, horse mode in the list of April Fool Day jokes. But what isn't an April Fool Day's joke is... This unfortunate little number, uh, Apple, Meta, and Discord had unfortunately had to report the day before April Fool's Day that uh, they were tricked into giving a metric ton of uh, sensitive information. The way this worked was that the attackers pretended to be law enforcement officials and sent fraudulent EDR arms. Wait, no, they're called. Wait, why are they called ERDs? Figure this one out. They sent fraudulent ERDs or emergency data requests. Why are we so obsessed with acronyms if we can't even get them right? But basically, these are the kind of requests that law enforcement would send to platforms like Apple, to Twitter, to Facebook, to Discord, if they're doing a criminal investigation. It's fairly normal stuff when push comes to shove as much as we want to 
uh, lie to ourselves and say that it's not, that it's perfectly abnormal. The thing is, is that by fulfilling these ERDs, which is a dumb acronym, the attackers got a lot of sensitive information, including IP addresses, which, by the way, do not matter because the overall majority of your IP addresses out there change. They rarely change, but they change and can be easily be spoofed. So that's irrelevant. Phone numbers. All right. That's much more essential. And home addresses. Wonderful. Wonderful. So these hackers have a massive list of phone numbers, home addresses, and most likely names. So you're a hacker. You have a whole bunch of this information. What do you do with it? Let's see if any of you can figure out what you do with that. What would you do with a whole lot of phone numbers and home addresses? The next move is actually very obvious. They sell it. You know all those wonderful scam-likely calls you get if you have my cell phone or all of those wonderful scams trying to go ahead and claim that they're part of the Social Security Administration or some nonsense like that? Well, a lot of those scams, despite the fact that 99.9 repeating do not fall for them, you get enough of them and you're going to find that .001 that does fall for them. And scammers love that information because it means they can play the law of large numbers to their advantage and try to scam more people. Wee! And then, of course, with that information, they can go ahead and be more likely to gain your trust because, of course, the electric company that says they're going to shut off your power in 30 minutes unless you pay unless you pay them 600 bucks, you're more likely to believe them if they're able to list out your home address. Cool. So, yeah, super not good. And, well, pretty much all of them just went ahead and said, we are, I, I'll save you just telling telling what each of the individual responses are, but they all boiled down to, we sincerely apologize for this breach of information. We are complying with law enforcement to make sure that the culprits are caught and that the and that the information does not spread, et cetera, et cetera. And what's even better is that there is some suspicion that 
they know who's behind it. No one is certain as of yet. It is an ongoing story, but there is some speculation that it, in fact, is being done by lapsus. Someone in chat said this is the stuff that clash action lawsuits are made of. I don't know if it would get that far. Like, I don't know how, what exactly would you sue for? Like, I actually don't know how far a lawsuit would get against these companies. Hmm. Anyway, while I ponder that and probably get nowhere because I'm honestly not sure what would happen. While Apple goes ahead and tries to figure out how to buff up its security, it also contemplates harder on how to buff its case of antitrust. And oddly enough, someone is on Apple's side in all this. And it's not a platform. It's Roblox. While there is massive, while there's a number of antitrust lawsuits going through court systems right now, Roblox is blo- is standing by with Apple in one such antitrust case claiming that the App Store promise offers privacy and security. Okay, Roblox, how much are they paying you? Because from a business standpoint, standing bot, standing on the side of of Apple in this case hurts you. Because unless I'm mistaken, the way Roblox, like every other free-to-play game in existence out there, operates is that they make their money through in-app purchases. And if in-app purchase, yeah, someone in chat mentions is Robux, exactly. And if the in-app purchases are through the App Store, you're losing 30% of that revenue to the App Store instead of the normal, you know, 3 to 2 to 1% that a normal transaction fee is. So why are you doing this, Roblox? Are you worried about privacy and security? Well, that's not the case because your own environment has all kinds of sketchy behavior going on. Someone in chat says, Roblox represents a very Apple-like walled garden 
of developed ga- games gated off by Robux. I thought Roblox was in fact just one game. Like Minecraft is one game. Is it not? I'm being told no. I don't think that's correct. Someone else in chat says it's basically a sandbox for creating other games. Someone else in chat saying it's like a game engine. Today I learned. So Roblox itself is not a game. It is in fact just a game engine that other people make games in. But basically the other games are so small, other people like me who really just look at Roblox and goes, oh, okay, it's a Minecraft clone, whatevs. I'm going back to playing a real game now. And then fires up Bejeweled on their phone and then wonders where they went wrong in life. All right, so it actually makes perfect sense. Roblox is standing behind Apple because they literally have the exact same freaking thing going on in their, in their own world. Well, today we learned. And all of a sudden, everything makes sense. Now, shifting gears a bit, we're going to go over to a different gaming company. One that has quite a lot of problems. We're going to talk about Activision Blizzard. A letter was written to the FTC specifically talking about why the acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft is going to set a terrible precedent. for the rest of the gaming industry. The letter reads as follows. Dear Chairwoman Khan, we are writing today regarding Microsoft's proposed $68.7 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard, a merger that threatens worker-led demands for accountability that would create a dangerous precedent for the industry. Workers at Activision Blizzard, following years of rampant sexual misconduct, wow, I am apparently incapable of reading today, conduct and discrimination and unfair labor practices have led calls for greater transparency and accountability in the gaming industry. And we are deeply concerned that this acquisition could further disenfranchise these workers and prevent their voices from being heard. Let me interject. How? We've been doing nothing but hearing them. Not that I'm belittling this, but that statement right there is bollocks. We are literally hearing from them nonstop, which, by the way is a very good thing. 
But in any case, the letter continues. As this proposed deal moves forward in the review process, the Federal Trade Commission should assess whether the ways in which these companies have failed to protect the rights and dignities of their workers are driven by mon- <laughs> I I, I want to say this is a typo, but I'm not sure. Are driven by monopsony power or amount of anti-competitive harms in our labor market. And if so, the merger will exast... I'm sorry. The and if so, if the merger will exacerbate these problems. Activision Blizzard's frat boy culture has come to light in many rears, rears, years as regulators investigate allegations of misconduct and discrimination. And Activision Blizzard employees have spoken up about their experiences at the company. In September 2021, Activision Blizzard agreed to pay $18 million to settle allegations with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission over gender-based harassment and retaliation at the company following an investigation that started in May 2020. The EEOC alleged alleged that Activision Blizzard employees were subjected to sexual harassment that served a... that was severe or persuasive or per, per, pervasive to alter the conditions of employment. And the company failed to take corrective and preventative. I'm going to assume measures, but unfortunately they chopped up the letter into four. There we go. Measures. Similar in July, 2021, the California, it, you, you get the idea. It goes on. And on to go over everything that's happened and basically trying to say that I admit I'm currently trying trying to glance over to see if there's any actual new information in any of this. That actually has a valid argument. Because for the most part, what they're trying to say is that the current behavior of Activision Blizzard is bad. And thus the merger shouldn't happen. So here's the thing. One, there is a monopoly concern. What the letter did say about that is correct. You are talking about one huge player in the gaming space, that being Microsoft, buying one of the biggest gaming publishers. There is a monopolistic concern there. But to say that the merger is going to disenfranchise the employees, the merger isn't. What does disenfranchise the employees is the fact that some of these arms of the government that looked into 
these workplace violations and saying that an $18 million fine and no other behavior is okay. That is a far, far bigger problem than Microsoft trying to buy Blizzard. But Microsoft buying Blizzard means that Bobby Kotick's going to get a lot of money. Microsoft not buying Activision Blizzard means Bobby Kotick's going to get a lot of money because he structured his deal that way. The only way Bobby Kotick gets out of this without getting a lot of money is with other legal action. Whether the deal goes through or not is almost irrelevant to the board, except for one thing. If the deal doesn't go through, the board stays intact. If the deal deal if the deal does go through, the board, just based on Microsoft's own words about the deal, means that the board will be gone. Because Microsoft directly said as part of the deal that once it goes through, Microsoft takes full control of Activision Blizzard, meaning that the board, including Bobby Kotick, are gone. Which then means that Mr. Kotick has to go ahead and take his golden parachute with now no income and figure out how he's going to survive all the various lawsuits that are going to come both from failure to act on sexual harassment that's been going on for years as well as mismanagement of the company so that letter is going to be going through and does threaten to hurt the the deal personally from a gamer standpoint I feel like the deal has to go through that is the only hope that Activision Blizzard has of surviving which sounds very weird to say because it wasn't all that long ago they seemed like just the gaming darling. Which seems weird, because it feels like the scandal's been going on for 10 years, even though it's been going on for... Has it been a full year yet? I'm honestly not sure. Needless to say... Blizzard needs better leader. Blizzard deserves better leaders. Someone in chat says Microsoft is going to get Activision Blizzard no matter what because of the Microsoft's legal team. If the FTC says no, then they're not. (laughs) Any sort of large acquisition like this, you need the FTC's approval. If the deal doesn't go through, what is likely to happen is that the company will break up. 
and Microsoft might get pieces of what remains, but everyone else is going to be clamoring at the bit to get the other pieces that drop. At least in theory. But wait, there's more. I have more Activision Blizzard news. This little bit of news that um, admittedly came out on April 1st, so, you know, there is that. But if, there, but if this is an April Fool's Day joke, it's a really bad one. Activision Blizzard confirms the vaccine mandate is over within the company and employees are going to walk out on April 4th in protest. So, I don't know if it's obvious to everyone, but it's very obvious as to why Activision Blizzard is lifting their own internal policy of the vaccine mandate. One, the fears of COVID have pretty much vanished from most people's minds. And I do say for the most part, because, you know, a, a lot of other people are still concerned with it. But granted, news cycles right now are way too focused on the invasion of Ukraine and for the most part, there hasn't been any kind of very deadly variant that's making the rounds yet. So Activision Blizzard is just get, getting rid of it, just say like, all right, we're getting rid of it. But there's another key reason they're doing it. And it's a problem that many, many, many other companies are facing right now. They can't find talent. So they're getting rid of any, any red tape they can so that they can acquire any, any new talent they can to go ahead and work on current games. I mean, for crying out loud, what does Blizzard have going for them right now? Uh, we have Overwatch 2 that's being shoved out the door real quick so that we can pretend we can have an esports league going on with no sponsors, I might add. Uh, we have World of Warcraft that uh, has a really bad plot, but tried to lie and say it had a finale, despite the fact their finale ended with a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah, and they blatantly ripped off a whole lot of assets from uh, from their next tier competitor, Final Fantasy fourteen, which... By the way, I still find absolutely hilarious. Uh, Diablo um, has a fourth game coming out, hopefully, as well as a terrible ripoff game that makes everyone question if they have phones or not. Heroes of the Storm. Pretty sure it's dead. Someone in chat asked, wait, Overwatch 2 actually released? So Overwatch 2 hasn't released yet. But Overwatch 2 is going to be entering a public PvP beta very, very soon. After pretty much being on the hiatus for quite some time. 
because the Overwatch League is launching a week after this beta opens up. Whoops. Someone else asks, did the Diablo phone game ever come out? Diablo Immortal has not come out yet, but it is due to come out, according to leaks, on a time that will be soon, which I am just saying random words now, while I quickly Google the expected release date. There we go. The leaked release date that accidentally got sent out via a bad iOS listing is June 30th of 2022. So I hope you have a phone by then or you just don't care like the rest of us. I mean, I'm not going to play it. Are you? StarCraft is pretty much dead, which is kind of which is kind of sad. I've been on a big RTS binge lately, just reminiscing about the good old days of RTSs. Oh, Command and Conquer, you deserve better. For that fact, so so did StarCraft and Warcraft. But I mean, you look at the state of Blizzard right now. They have lost a lot of their talent because they had to fire a lot of their talent because their HR department was so mind-blowingly incompetent, they never said anything about keeping your freaking pants on. I'm sorry, it still just blows me away on just how bad of a freaking HR department you have to have for all of this sexual misconduct to go around and just be like, yeah, that's fine. I I just, just, it just, yeah. It just blows me away from a managerial point on just how you fail this badly. But Back to the matter at hand. The employee is scheduling a walkout on April 4th in protest of the vaccine mandate. Why? Are, are, are you just walking out to walk out? I'd assume, seeing as how there was a vaccine mandate, everyone who'd walk out is already vaccinated and thus has a very high resistance to, at least currently, all known forms of the virus, TM. Are we just walking out for the sake of walking out? Because I'll tell you what, if anything, this just hurts the effectiveness of your previous walkouts where you actually had a very good reason to walk out. It'd be like, imagine if you walk out because the break room ran out of donuts. It makes the walkout you do down the road because HR refused to do anything about about Gary the Groper 
mean that much less because, oh, we already seen you walk out about missing donuts. Why should I believe you now that this walkout's worth anything? It's just, it doesn't look good. But, you know, it is what it is. All right. Couple other sto- couple other stories to get to. First off, Windows 11 has done something that will change how you think about Windows 11. Currently, what do you think about when you think of Windows 11? You think about a terrible piece of software that is still in beta and is just predatory to the way you want to use your computer. Well, don't worry. Microsoft has done a mind-blowing thing that'll make you rethink about how you use Windows 11. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this earth-shattering change? You can change your browser default with one click again. Just one click and your default's changed. As opposed to... The like... 6,000 that it was before. How did it take up this long? It's good to know that Microsoft has roughly a one and a half year response time between when they hear the public and when they actually do something about it. Amazing. Simply amazing. All right, so let's just get to the key points right now. Um, We need to think about what's going to be an important innovation for Windows 11 to have now so that by the time our computers are old, outdated, and we can't stick with Windows 10 any longer, that Windows 11 will actually be usable. So uh, that that's your homework for today. Yeah, this podcast is giving you ho- homework. Please don't unsubscribe. That's your homework. Think about what features you need in Windows 11 for it to be an actual usable operating system and not an absolute insane piece of useless junkware that it is currently that is an absolute blight on the entire computing space. Or just learn Linux. In fact, actually, I have one for you right now. All right, you you want one? Just ban everyone that uses Internet Explorer. Just absolutely take them out of the equation. Just make it so that if anyone is still stubborn enough to still use Internet Explorer today, they are just forbidden from ever taking part in the modern world at all. All right. Just make it so that, you know, you use Internet Explorer. You can never update to Windows 11 ever. You need to learn your lesson if you want to. Oh, wow. They did it. Holy cow. That was quick. Yeah, no joke. You are unable to upgrade Windows 11. If 
you still use Internet Explorer. And it's all because of a data destroying bug within IE11. It has to be upgraded to Edge. Until you do that, you cannot, under any circumstances, upgrade the computer to Windows 11. Bravo. Just, just bravo. Amazing. Simply incredible. And now finally, one last story before we actually get to our break. I want to talk about Twitch for a minute. So, do you remember the pay to boost promotion that Twitch had? It's on hiatus right now. It is completely and utterly on delay. And the reason is well, I can't show it on stream. I can't show it on YouTube because someone else had a brilliant idea. You see, you could pay for a boost or there is a chance that during a hype train, meaning that the viewers of a stream do so many actions in a row that shows support that it triggers a special event called a hype train. There was a chance that this hype train could be a boost train. And then once completed would boost the stream on the front page. Well, someone figured out a clever way to game the system and on the front page put up their own very special, unique content which was pornography. On the front page of Twitch. Amazing. Simply, simply amazing. And so with that, it appears, at least for now, the entire concept of paying, <laughs> of paying for boosted content to be able to get yourself the exposure that every Twitch streamer desires is now gone. <laughs> Someone at chat asked, was the porn at least good? I'm not going to lie. I don't know. I never look at my front page. All I see are screenshots of it. And, um, it, it contains nudity. I don't know what else you want me to tell you about it. I mean, it, it, it was based. I swear it was just someone just pointing their OBS at a window capture of you porn. In any case, we're going to take a break here when we come back. 
people are asking. I don't know what the details of the porn was. I only have screenshots of it. What more do you want from me? When we we're gonna come when we come back, let's actually get some lightheartedness. Let's talk about the good April Fool's Day jokes we got this year. <laughs> back eagle eyes on tech i'm eagle falcon all right so april fool's day this year i'm not gonna lie it felt like there were fewer good ones like there there was a lot this year oddly enough in the final fantasy 14 community of accounts trying to pretend to be the primary ff14 twitter and just post like some of the dumbest stuff like trying to say oh hey we're eliminating this key main character and it's just like come on man come on at least be funny that's the biggest crime in April Fool's pulling off an April Fool's joke and have it not be funny you should be more like Razor who went ahead and showed off their hypersense suit so that you too could take part in VR games and actually feel everything being done to you, which would have been absolutely amazing in certain aspects of VR and then make you wonder why, oh why, you decide to wear this suit while playing Beat Saber and have all these blocks hit you in the chest over and over and over and over again. You see, at least that's creative. (laughs) Someone in chat said horrible for shooters and porn games. I don't know. I think it might be better for anyway... Meanwhile, you had uh, NZXT propose a uh, a Nintendo Switch competitor or a Steam Deck competitor that, um, man, I wish this was physically possible. That's all I'll say. 32 core APU, 800 DPI, the 12 inch display, a 10 keyless pullout keyboard that somehow also fits in a solution that have a 32 core (laughs) APU all the RGB and more it's just like I I wish I wish that was possible but there's no freaking way there is just no absolute way so no Um, I'm sorry but the NZXT H and is not going to happen. Now, that being said, HyperX, 
did propose did propose a very interesting solution. Have you ever played video games? And after you're just up way too late at night and then just really messing up for your entire squad and they tell you to please stop playing Go Touch Grass? Well, I have the answer. Introducing the HyperX TCH Grass Keycaps. Thanks to these keycaps on your keyboard, you too can touch grass while still losing an Elden Ring. I, I, I love it. I absolutely, here's the real question though. Do I need to get a tiny lawnmower for my grassy keycaps? Do I need to make sure to water my keyboard so that the grass grows on my keycaps? Someone in chat says Chia. Yeah, you could just make small little Chia pet keycaps. Uh, key there you go. That's the key. And keeping up with the keyboard trend, Corsair has shown off the Corsair K1 RGB. The world is at your fingertips with the most technologically advanced 1% mechanical keyboard ever built. For it is just one key. And by default, it's the F key. But you know what? This product is already far superior to the iPhone because it has a headphone jack and uses USB-C. Bravo. You, you did it, Corsair. You, top, you, you beat the iPhone. And all it took was one button. It, hey, it has the same number of buttons as an iPhone too. It has one. Man, we're just coming up with all sorts of ways. This, this April Fool's Day joke is superior to the iPhone right off the bat. It's incredible. Someone in chat says, at least your chip crumbs and Cheeto power will work as fertilizer for the grass keyboard. Yeah, there, there, there we go. Now, now we're thinking. Now we're thinking. Now, Aorus thought about something. With all of our gaming PCs consuming more and more power, we need a new way to help save on our drastically growing electric bill and keep gamers in shape. They have the answer. Introducing the new Aorus gaming chair, the Aorus Racer X, which is a stationary RGB bicycle. With an integrated 32-inch monitor, high-pressure fan blowers to keep you cool as you're generating the electricity for your gaming rig, and it's GeForce RTX 40 ready. Think about how much power you're going to save by generating your own. There is no way I'd ever buy this. 
<laughs> there's even if this was physically possible which by the way how much how much energy you're going to generate bicycling at max speed what 10 watts what's the watt wattage draw of my two gaming pcs right now what does the ups say Actually, it doesn't say. What the hell? Oh, there we go. My two, my two, uh, my entire gaming setup right now, the entire streaming setup, as it is right now, including the mixer, the two gaming PCs, all four monitors, everything, except for the spotlights that light me up. 251 watts. So if one of these bicycles can generate like roughly 10 watts peak, I just need 30 people bicycling at the same time. Yeah, it's 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 such a dumb idea, but man. I'm I'm not going to lie. It it did make me chuckle. You know what though? Because of the RGB on it, I'm pretty sure you're actually losing energy. Like I'm fairly certain just bicycling on that's not going to be able to power the RGB on the gaming bicycle. Synology decided to go retro offering a Four drive raid solution. Now, Synology, if you don't know, they make storage solutions for small businesses. And they're ones that you like pop in multiple hard drives, usually about four, and then it raid fives them together or ZFFs them together. I don't know. Their entire software is proprietary and turnkey. So that you don't need to be a lunatic like me that goes ahead and buys enterprise grade servers, throws them in the spare bedroom so that I could just go ahead and store my extra data on there and a media server and and even a twitch bot if i so choose because i have a problem their solution is just very simple so they went and introduced a retro desktop nas that uses three and a half inch floppy drives For a grand total of 5.75 megabytes of total capacity in what I assume is either RAID 6 or a ZFS. Uh, the entire device is just four vertical mounted three and a half inch bays a vga port in the front so you can monitor your poor life decision wait is that serial oh god that is db9 
<laughs> it's DB9 on the front. It's not. So we can expand it. We can expand the Synology NAS with another, just connect them via DB9. Incredible. Simply incredible. Ah, man. Who, who needs zip disk? We can just raid our, uh, our floppy drives together. I, I love this. I love it so much. But then finally, one of my favorites, though, has to go to Elgato, who gave us, and I need to go ahead and pause their video at the exact right time, the Camlink Retro. So for those who don't know, the Camlink is a product made by Elgato. That's a very simple solution. It's USB on one side and HDMI on the other. The thought process is that you plug in your HDMI camera, you know, your DSLR or whatever, into the cam link, and then the cam link tricks the computer into thinking that it's a webcam. Simple concept, right? Well, the cam link retro is for your older video cameras. So on one end, it's USB 3, and on the other end, it's RCA. It's composite. And you know what the worst part is about this device? A lot of people use the cam link as a super portable capture card. Because it's basically just the size of a thumbstick. Throw it in your laptop bag, take it with, with you with your, with your 14 or 15 inch laptop. Go ahead and ho hook up your switch to it. Bing, bang, boom. You've got a very nice, easy, portable, travelable streaming setup. You give people a, a R, an RCA capture solution like this, there's a lot of, like, smaller streamers. Not, like, big retro streamers would, of course, you know, ha have, like, a RetroTink Mini or an OSSC or some kind of upscaler to go ahead and use with their HDMI capture cards. They want to have the best old-school capture solution. I could think of a number of people who'd actually want this just for that reason. Like the the like that's the part that slays me about this. There are people out there who'd actually want this. Not me though. I actually have an actual proper retro capturing setup. <laughs> there are people who totally use this honestly if I could find my uh, if I could find an old uh, an old anal analog video camera I would totally be tempted 
to take something like a retro cam link and hook that up just for the fun just for the fun of it just for funsies so that for the most part does do it for the really good April Fool's Day's jokes uh one I omitted was in fact the um the Among Us horse update where they just decided that the default sprite for every single character in the game for the day would be a centaur I find it hard I find it hard to call that a joke just cause um they actually did it kind of like the uh Dalamud uh what is it the Dalamud launcher for FF14 had a default add-on enabled so that um, while you're playing FF14, if you killed a boss, it would have an Elden Ring style enemy felled, and if you died, it would have an Elden Ring style you died. Which I'm not going to lie, was pretty amusing. Especially since the reason I died was because that one DPS decided that tank doesn't can just go ahead and eat their own uh, tank burst bubble and just. I'm still a little salty about that. I'm not going to lie. Full day later, still salty about it. They had one job. Could have done it. Nope. Let the main tank die. It's always the worst feeling when you die in a game and it's not your fault. All right. Should we actually get back to real news? How about some actual good news? Previous administration tariffs have been lifted, which means that one of the tariffs that increased the price of... uh, Graphic cards and other electronic goods by up to 25% are now gone. So we should see within the next month, the price of those goods start to drop. This in addition to the fact it seems like the chip shortage problem is starting to finally catch up is just going to be multiple layers of just good news for anyone trying to go ahead and purchase these goods. Now, here's what I will say about this. Why did it take you so long? Like, people wonder why I hate politics. It's this kind of thing right here. Because the only reason that this happened was because there was a bad news cycle on top of bad news news cycle, and they want to do something to try and put on some good news. Like, that's how this looks to me. And I want to be wrong. I want to, I, I want to hear from some source out there 
that, oh, there was a hang-up because of this, that, and the other thing, and blah, 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 blah. When as far as I can tell at this time, it just took the signing of a half a page order. Now, here's the next question. Will GPU prices actually go down? Because, of course, a company could just go ahead and say, you know, they're used to paying this price. We could just go ahead and just increase our price to compensate and you know it a little bit more money in our pockets instead uh uh that is a possibility however in that same note asus already said they are going to be slashing the prices of their gpus to which i say good i think it's actually gonna be hard to try and make the same argument I just did that, oh, hey, consumers are used to paying this price because consumers aren't used to paying any price right now for any GPU because no one could get their hands on a GPU in a store at all. And I want to stress that in a store. There have been plenty of opportunities to go ahead and buy GPUs on the second-hand market for a hilariously overinflated value. That's good enough, right? <sighs> but there is, the point is, is that there is in fact, hope that we are going to see the end of this GPU and silicon shortage. And I hope it starts spreading to some of the other markets too, like the vehicle markets, the truck markets, the consumer vehicles markets. Heck, right now, there is a massive surge with the huge spike in gas prices of people trying to go ahead and buy up every single electric vehicle and then get their hands on. You know what it's become right now? And I was just checking just for curiosity's sake. Guess how much of a price difference there is right now? between an in-stock Tesla Model 3 and an in-stock Tesla Model S. The Model 3 is supposed to be the cheap, affordable version for the everyday person, with a big asterisk next to it. And the Model S is supposed to be the luxury luxury version. Guess what the price difference is between a Model 3 and a Model S? Normally it's 70 grand. Actually, it's close to 60 grand. Right now, the price difference is 
five grand. The Model 3 is right now selling for roughly fifty to $55,000 and the Model S in the in-stock market sells for a sell starts selling at about 60 grand because everyone is trying to buy the cheapest version right now to say I went ahead and I beat the I beat the 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 gas prices look at me and then actual electric vehicles by companies that aren't Tesla you can buy them completely for nothing. You're also going to get that because they don't exist. They're gone. They're missing all of them. Someone, someone in chat said, what about the $69,420 Model S? It's no longer in stock. The base price of brand new Model S's are like 80 grand. But the older versions still sell for under that. I wouldn't recommend getting the newest version of the Model S anyway because of that stupid yoke. Just. Come on. You know what else I can just say come on to? The RTX 3090 Ti! It's out! It, it, it actually exists now. And... This review cycle for the 3090 Ti is bizarre. So, I mean, let's first get get the numbers out of the way, all right? It's a $2,000 GPU, and it's roughly 7 to 10% better than the RTX 3090. You're not going to buy this GPU. The only people who are going to buy this GPU are the people who aren't listening that must have the most high-end GPU that's out there and damn the expense. That's it. Those are the only people who are going to buy it. What's interesting about this review cycle, though, is behind the scenes. Multiple reviewers have come out and revealed exactly how long they had to review the they had to review this card. Normally how a review cycle works is that review outlets will get their card like a week or two before the actual release date, then they'll get their drivers, then they'll get updated drivers during the review cycle as they fine-tune everything. And then, of course, their review notes for specifically things that NVIDIA wants to go ahead and market about these. You know how many days this review cycle was? Two. Linus Tech Tips... Gamers Nexus and Jay's Two Cents all publicly came out and said, we got our cards two days before launch. 
And one, I can't remember who exactly it was. I want to say it was Jay. Said that he didn't even get his review notes until the day before the launch. And of course, the review notes said, said something really dumb like, uh, we recommend comparing the RTX 3090 Ti to the Titan RTX, a two-year-old GPU that was came out long. Actually, no, it's a three-year-old GPU, three and a half, almost four. Yeah, it's a GPU that came out before the pandemic, before the chip shortage. Before the pricing structure of GPUs was turned upside down, a GPU that came out immediately after emerging technology, so the price was heavily inflated to compensate for the research and development. The entire 2000 series had a way higher than normal MSRP simply because NVIDIA was trying to recoup their R&D budget, which probably was some astronomical eight-digit number. Like right now, if you're comparing any GPUs, it's difficult to say what you compare it to. But the easiest guess would be, hey, let's compare the RTX 3090 to the two-year-old RTX 30, or the uh, compare the RTX 3090 Ti to the RTX 3090. And I'd say on that, the pricing doesn't make sense because it's 7% more performance for 25% more money. The whole launch reeks of, look, we already put the money in. We know it's not going to do well. We know it's not going to look good, but just get it out of here. Just, just make it go away. Someone in chat asked, what, what about you compare it to, to, uh, to Cinemark or something? The thing is, is that um, the reviewer guides that these reviewers get specifically mention other cards. And normally, what, what is normal is like you compare the 3080 to say the 2080. Like what product is it replacing? Like that that's normally where that sort of review ter- terminology comes in. Now, if you were say Intel or Apple, you'd go ahead and say, you know, hey, we have this really cool product here. It's really powerful. And we recommend you use this benchmark because we fine tune this custom CPU for that application. Well, that then just looks ridiculous because most people aren't going to go ahead and use Cinebench or something like that on a daily basis. They're going to go ahead and use some other product. Now, what's crazy, and someone else in chat mentioned this earlier, is the power draw of the 3090. I mentioned earlier that my two desktops draw, the wattage meter went off. Like my two desktops right now that power the stream are drawing 230 or 253 watts right now. And 
if you want a bit of a comparison, currently, one PC is powering OBS and has a whole bunch of other little windows open that just have essential services that I need for the stream. You know, that's that's not... Like, its load is not heavy, like, at all. The other PC, on the other hand, which you can't see right now, is actually doing work. It's currently sitting on the login screen of Final Fantasy XIV 14 because after I finish recording this podcast, I'm going to be playing Final Fantasy XIV, and I want to be able to hit a button and switch over to that so I have something nice to show everyone. So one, one PC is actually doing work. Actually, both PCs are actually doing work. And they draw 250 watts. The RTX 3090 can peak draw unoverclocked up to 400 watts by itself. Let that sink in for a second. 400 watts. One component of the whole computer. 400 watts. A game console doesn't even draw that much power. What the heck? There's a decent number of gaming PCs right now that you physically couldn't upgrade to handle a 3090 Ti simply because the power supply is not big enough. You're going to exceed the maximum draw easily. And keep in mind that 400 watt number 100 card there's some cards out there that have a stunning two 16 pin connectors the 16 pin connector if, if you don't know is going to be the new standard for GPU connections that is a 12 plus four pin connector on the back. There's a custom RTX 3090 Ti design out there that has two of these. And each one of those can handle 600 watts. Meaning at peak, this card could theoretically draw 1200 watts. Heck, the fact they put two of these suckers back there means they expect this thing to exceed 600 watts. Now, someone in chat points out that most likely this card is designed for extreme overclocking using liquid nitrogen, which... yeah. Oh, hey, actually, it says right there, it's the Kingpin Edition. So, yeah, it absolutely is a uh it, it absolutely is a ln2 designed card but still holy cow 
I just, I can't even. I just can't even anymore with some of these cards. It's just getting ridiculous. The only computer I have that would have a power supply even big enough for that is an old uh, dual CPU workstation that has a, uh, what is it, a 1300 watt power supply in it? And even then I don't have enough connectors to even convert into two 12 pins. Someone in chat says they wouldn't trust NVIDIA with that kind of power consumption. Their 3090 killed itself earlier this week. Ooh. Ooh. I am truly sorry for that. Man, that is, that's rough. That is actually rough. Fortunately, GPUs are getting easier to come by, but man. In a related story, though, we have... AMD and some leaks about their upcoming 7000 series CPUs having a TDP of 170 watts possibly what Yeah apparently the apparently the the estimated TDP of these new 7000 series is 65 watts 105 watts and 170 watts according to a leak. Man, we're just not going to have efficiency at all anymore, are we? We're getting a little crazy now. And there are rumors that this 7000 series processors are in fact possibly coming sooner than we think. Reports are saying that the that the manufacturing process of these new 7000 series Ryzen processors are going to begin in April or May and then roughly have and then probably launch a few months later. Someone in chat says efficiency go by a Chromebook. I'm sorry, but I want a little bit more efficiency and a computer that actually functions. If I wanted a computer that that doesn't function, I'd just get an iPad. Yeah, I'm sorry, schools that decide to use a Chromebook. You decided to give fake computers to your students. What does that say about you? What does that say about you? We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, there is some other interesting news about GPUs from Intel and an unknown player. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Well, it the time has come. Intel has lifted the curtain. We finally, finally get some hard numbers about the mythical, the legendary 
Intel Arc graphic cards for laptops. Yes, we finally know exactly what to expect from these new GPUs that are finally out for laptops. And honestly, the info is actually rather interesting. Mostly from, again, that thing that fewer and fewer people care about, efficiency. So there's going to be five new GPUs out of Intel. And these are going to be using the new Intel Arc with a C architecture. You're going to have Z cores, which refers to your GPU cores. Which doesn't really tell us a whole lot because every GPU is different. They also have a number of ray tracing cores. Clock speed, their built-in memory, which is GDDR6. As well as the power draw. There are going to be the ARC-3, ARC-5, and ARC-7. There are two different ARC-3s, one ARC-5, and two different ARC-7s. The A350M has six Z and ray tracing cores, four gigabytes of onboard memory, and draw somewhere between 25 and 35 watts. The ARC-3A370M has eight cores each, 4 gigs of memory, and 35 to 50 watts of power draw, which honestly is it's not bad. It's not bad as a extra discrete GPU, and that's what these are. These are actually discrete GPUs. These are not ones that are built into the Intel processor. Which means, theoretically... You, someone could make the ultimate abomination laptop running an AMD Ryzen processor and having an Intel Arc GPU paired with it. The laptop would have a constant identity crisis. The exact opposite of what you would have expected not too long ago. And yes, that that still amuses me greatly. The ARC-5 is a 60 to 80 watt GPU with 16 cores each and 8 gigabytes of memory. ARC-7 has the A730M at 24 cores, draws between 100, I'm sorry, between 80 watts and 120 watts. And that's usually the kind of TDP range you normally see in a discrete GPU on laptops. But then there's also the A770M at 32 cores each drawing between 120 watts and 150 watts now the question then is what does the performance actually look like well I could show you these cool graphs but um Let's be perfectly honest. Would you trust a graph that comes directly from the manufacturer of the GPU that wants these GPUs to look really, really good? No, no, you don't, nor should you. Let's be perfectly honest. These graphs don't matter. Say it with me. 
The manufacturer graphs don't matter. And they should not be... You can look at them for a general idea, a, a rough idea of what to expect, but... You know... Let's be perfectly honest. You're not going to believe it until you see an independent graph of them. Now, I do have a graph from someone that isn't Intel. AMD put out a graph that is really zoomed in for some reason. There we go. That for some reason compares the A370M to the Radeon 6500M and shows the 6500M absolutely curb stomping the A370M. But it's from AMD, so I mean, why should I believe that either? It'd be like saying, oh, Intel released these new C these new CPUs and GPUs, but Apple says their CPU is way better. Why should I believe the Apple graph? <laughs> By the way, more and more people are looking at Apple's graphs in regards to the performance of the M1 Ultra Max Pro Turbo Remix 3 or whatever the heck they call their their highest end uh, CPU and just saying like, wow, there's way more wrong with this estimation of their performance versus the RTX 3090 than we first thought. Because they tried to imply that their M1 Ultra was as fast as the 3090. And now that people are testing them side by side, it's just like, yeah, no. You lose out in gaming and in professional tasks. You just get raffle stomped. It's almost like comparing the M1 Ultra to the 3090 was a bad comparison. Like you weren't in the same weight class. Wow. What are the odds? Oh, wait, 100%. Oh, I should mention, because I don't have the story in front of me, that the other reason you shouldn't go ahead and get an RTX 3090 Ti is because, you know, based on what we talked about last week, everything's still on track for uh, the RTX 4000 series to launch, you know. October? November? Yeah, so do you go ahead and spend $2,000 to $2,500 now, or do you wait for a, just, just a touch more sanity to return to the supply market? And, oh, hey, by the way, the 4000 series is going to be out. Which then means that other people who want the latest cutting edge are going to be selling their 3000 series on the cheap. I'm just saying it's a pretty good alternative or, or hear me out. 
perhaps the correct answer for cheap high-end performance can be found across the pond. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the MTT S60. A GPU 100% made and designed fully in China. And it can reach very impressive benchmarks like playing League of Legends at 1080p. Shut up! I want to see you do better! (laughs) And that kind of just feels like the mentality this company has on this. League of Legends was your benchmark! Um... Look, um... I have a broken NVIDIA K1 GPU sitting on my shelf and uh, like it can play League of Legends at 1080p. No problem. Heck, my K1 can play League of Legends at 1080p three times. Because there's three GPUs that still work on the card. But, um, I mean, it's still interesting. We'll just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm actually quickly like scanning through the article to see if they actually mentioned um what the um what the FPS it was playing at. It just shows that it was playing League of Legends, that's it. It doesn't even show what the FPS was. Oh wait, wait. We have a picture of it. Maybe. Enhance. 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 Enhance! Enhance! I don't think there's a frame counter in the upper right-hand corner. I think that's just the time. Yeah, it just shows that it plays it. So they have the MTS60, which is supposed to be a desktop-capable GPU performing at six teraflops. And their MTTS2000, which is supposed to be their server-grade GPU. Here's what I'll say about it. There is one thing I really, really like about this card. And that it's a single slot card. Most graphic cards nowadays have been dual 
slot for a very long time, which makes trying to mount them in just any old machine and try to breathe new life into a machine that otherwise would be sent to the scrapyard very difficult. Heck, the 3090Ti is being extra weird and takes up a grand total of, get this, in most circumstances, four slots. Okay, granted, it's, you know, closer to three and a half. Definitely takes up three for certain, and then the shroud most likely hangs off a bit more, take, going in half a slot. But basically four slots is what's going to take up in the entire PC. That's four slots of capability you now don't have. So to see someone make a one-slot card, even if it's just, you know, an oddball, you know, our first try GPU solely from a nation that's increasingly being odd. You know, it's it's interesting. We'll we'll see where they are in a couple of years. Do they catch up? Do they fall further behind as we as everyone else innovates? Who knows? But one thing that is a little bit of a damper, as we're trying to go ahead and look at all of our options for GPU advancements and for the price of GPUs to go down, here is something that is going to be a problem. And it's the price of silicon wafers going up by 25%. That's significant. For your base cost of raw materials to go up by 25%, that just compounds onto everything else. Now, hopefully, it doesn't stay going up, that this trend doesn't continue. Because all of a sudden, holy cow, that is making... A whole lot of smart devices now feel basically completely unaffordable. But it's just something to keep in mind as we push forward. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about gaming. Sony has introduced their new... PlayStation plans. All right. There's now three tiers of PlayStation Plus. Essentials, Extra, and Premium. So what's included with all this? Well, PlayStation Plus Essential continues basically what we had before. Two monthly downloadable games, exclusive discounts, cloud storage for saves, and multiplayer online access. So basically what you'd get right now. And that costs right now in the U.S. 10 bucks monthly, 25 bucks every three months, and 60 bucks every year. Now, 
for the extra tier, you get all the benefits of the essential tier plus a catalog of up to 400 asterisks of the previously enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games, including blockbuster hits from our, from quote, our PlayStation Studios catalog and third-party partners. Games in the extra tier are downloadable for play. That is $15 a month, 40 bucks quarterly, or 100 bucks yearly. And then finally, the premium tier. The premium tier includes all the previous tiers, adds up to 340 additional games, including PS3 games available via cloud streaming. Yay. Look at that. The PS3 games are available. The, the ones that were killed in the store. Woo. Offers cloud streaming access to the original PS2, PSP, and PS4 games offered by their PlayStation Now ser- service, which is now being basically rolled into this. And customers can stream u- stream games using PS4 and PS5 consoles and PC, asterisk, asterisk. And then time-limited game trials are off, also offered in this tier, so customers can try selected games before they buy. This tier is $18 a month, $50 quarterly, or $120 yearly. I'm not going to lie. Um, the plan I'm going to go with for my own PS4 and all of its great, great services for what I use it for in a professional streaming standpoint, the plan I'm going to be choosing is obviously the PlayStation Plus Zero Edition, where I don't use any of them still. But that's just me. I mean, personally... I still look at the at, at these sort of services from the consoles, and if I can get them on the PC where I don't have to pay a monthly bill other than my internet bill, which is actually coming due soon. I should actually check on that. I don't pay anything extra. And I get that these console services need to maintain their servers so that this all works seamlessly, but if you give me the option between paying money and not paying money, well, I'm I'm going to take the free option every single time. That's just going to be how it goes down every single time. But of course, I mean, this is pretty much the norm now on a lot of console platforms. In fact, all of them. So, I mean, it is what it is. The fact that there are tiers, the fact that you can choose what option to go for, I think is a good step forward. 
so naturally, it only makes sense that a company that is very, very, very much all in on trying to make as many subscription services as possible would look into making a game console of their own. Apple is rumored to be considering an entry into the console market. Because that's what I needed. I needed the Candy Crush experience in my living room. I needed the Clash of Clans experience in my living room. I needed predatory microtransactions in my living room. You you know what? Do it, Apple. I want to see where this is going. I want to see how this is going to go. Now, we speculated that... um, they weren't going to like, this is not an old, this is not a new rumor. This is something that's come up time and time and time again. It just surfaces, it dives, it surfaces, it dives. I'll just tell you this right now. They're eventually going to have a game console. They already kind of have a game console. It's called the Apple TV. It's only inevitable until they make one that's like, a bit more powerful for it to play high-end games. Not telling you that the graphics are going to be of the same garbage mobile games that you're used to seeing again and again and again and again. A game console is nothing without games. Except in the case of the... Of the PlayStation 2. That was at least a DVD player. And the PlayStation was a music player. Excuse me. But without that... What else is the console? A device that can play a whole lot of games, but if it has no games, well, not really all that creative, is it? Not all that interesting at all. Now, with that said, there are some other rumors from the Apple Mill, such as. What comes next? We've seen the Apple M1. The only thing that's left in their supposed transition is the Mac Pro. But more reports and rumors are trying to say there could be an M2 coming out very, very, very soon. But here's the rumor that's interesting about this new M2 iPad Pro. 
they're trying to say that MagSafe is going to be a key feature of the new iPad Pro. Because if there's one thing that I think of when I think of thin iPad in an aluminum pocket that has a huge design flaw, they still, they still have not fixed. It's to have all the hopes and dreams of that thin, fragile tablet hanging off a magnet puck. Oh. Yeah, you you do that, Apple. See what happens. I also want to know what the charge... Here's what I'll say for the iPad Pro. The biggest advancements that can help the iPad Pro actually justify its price can only be in software. Like the iPad is getting closer and closer and closer to be actually being a real functional computer. I mean, it, I mean, it has a file explorer now. I'm 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 still blown away. still blown away by the fact that they actually put in a file explorer in there it's it's incredible but the other thing that needs to happen needs to needs to needs to needs to happen are some actual real productivity apps coming to it and then while you're at it, some better mouse support. Because unfortunately, as much as on paper, I should be able to tap and drag naturally and efficiently with my finger on a touchscreen. Believe it or not, the tip of my finger is fatter than the arrow of a mouse. And I know it's, it seems like, but, but it's an iPad. You just go get, get a real computer then. Well, that's the thing, Apple. You want to go ahead and justify the iPad Pro being a professional tool? Well, I need professional interface to work with it properly. Someone else in chat says the stylus. The stylus is a very good step in that direction. The other thing is also everyone that makes apps for the iPad, they implement a very limited tool set like it just comes up short every single time and it's maddening completely and utterly maddening 
In other news related to Apple, the iPhone SE is apparently doing very, very poorly. How poorly? Production's being cut back by 20%. It's kind of obvious when you think about it. Because why do most people get an iPhone? Nobody looks at Apple and says, I want to get that because it's cheap. I don't want to get that because it has features that I need. I I don't want to get that. I want to get that because most people get an iPhone as a status symbol or because they're already in the ecosystem. I think the biggest problem of the iPhone SE in this case is the fact it is the exact same chassis and the exact same body as a design that they dumped years ago. Someone in chat said branding or or expected security of data. Branding, I'd say, is the reason, is the primary reason. I think the other main reason that we're not seeing a whole lot of initial sales of the iPhone SE. No one is going to upgrade to the iPhone SE. Most people who look to upgrade, why get the one that looks so ancient, so decrepit, so old? Get the newer one. It already looks newer. And it looks flashier to hand around. That's not to say that no one, no one is going to go get the iPhone SE. Heck, my grandmother, who is stuck in the iPhone ecosystem because... Good luck trying to teach her Android. No, seriously, good luck. It's it's not possible. I've tried. But replace her iPhone 6 after it breaks. What are you going to replace it with? Replace it with the iPhone SE because it's the most familiar. It's still in the old body. You don't have to try and learn all the new gestures because they got rid of the freaking home button, which I still think was a poor decision. Here's what I really actually don't get about apple and this has actually bothered me for a while and now we're now we're on this rant android got rid of the home button there's no more capacitive buttons for home you know what they did instead on these phones that are full screen like mine they put virtual ones on the bottom that are non-intrusive and you just swipe up a little bit to bring them up when you need it. Or just tap around there and it'll just bring it up. Why didn't Apple do that? Because let's be, let's be honest to uh, people who've been in the Android ecosystem for the longest time. 
the transition between the removing of the physical buttons to capacitive to now not having them at all was seamless. I'm willing to bet the majority of you who, who have been in the, in the Android ecosystem don't even remember the transition period at all. It was that seamless. So how did Apple mess that up? To the point where they actually do have a transition period. Someone in chat said Apple has been stealing innovation for decades, pawning it off their own. Exactly. So why not steal this one? Like of all the things to steal, stealing this one would have been brilliant. I don't know, just a little, just a thought that like popped in my head. We're actually going to take our last break here. When we come back, we have a few little interesting, weird stories to cover. We'll be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, we don't have a whole lot of time left, so let's get to a a couple of quick stories. First off, this one's not tech-related, but is an interesting little bit of news that broke basically right before we started uh, recording, and that's in regards to uh, Will Smith and his actions at the, uh, the Oscars, which might have been the first time anyone has actually watched the Oscars in a long, long time. Will Smith has officially resigned from the Academy after his, um, we'll call it a physically emotional outburst at, uh, at the Oscars. I've been thinking back on it and just like, what would the smarter approach have been? And I feel like I have what should have been the correct answer for Will Smith to have done other than what he did. He could have walked out. And that would have sent a far, far stronger slap in the face. Just not said anything. Just after the joke, just got up, center aisle, leave cameras have been drawn to it it would have been shown everywhere which then would have just left of course he didn't know he was going to win 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 any award that would have just left Chris Rock up there just holding the award for the guy who just very visually just left so what does this what does this mean for the actor I don't know I'm a tech guy. I shouldn't be talking about this story. But I found it interesting. But this story I find far more interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you the last burb, the last story. Someone in the chat said it's always easier to say uh, say it after the fact. Yeah, it is. Hindsight is 20-20, as they say. But 
again, back to to this. I bring you the last bird, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. It wasn't all that long ago that we were talking about the Razor Zephyr, which was Razor's attempt to make the coolest looking rave prop ever, except they went ahead and marketed the coolest looking rave prop ever as personal protective equipment during the pandemic. Unfortunately, it shell fell short because A, uh, they launched it towards the very end of the pandemic. And then B, they also then lied about its effectiveness as personal protective equipment. Well, I have good news for you. Ladies and gentlemen, Dyson has got you covered. Dyson has released a set of wireless headphones that also apparently purifies the air you breathe in using some kind of weird Optimus Prime looking band that covers your mouth and kind of sort of covers your nose at the same time and here's the best part you would have assumed this was an april fool's day joke and that i somehow fell for this but first off they announced that um they announced it two days early this this was announced two days before april fool's and also they showed off six years of development and 500 prototypes of this device. Well, I I have seen some wacky things out of Dyson. And so far of all the wacky things Dyson has made that has actually gone places, um, the stick vacuum by far, one of their best uh one of their best pieces of work um i've seen a weird hand dryer that you stick your hands in and like a blade of air rushes over it but um there's a big problem with both of those sort of interesting concept devices that actually became real products they are loud af i want to know how loud is this uh air purifier mechanism because i'm sorry but if I have to cause, if I, if I, if I need headphones to protect my ears from my headphones, this entire concept may in fact be a non-starter. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. And I do encourage you to check out the daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, which you can find at anchor.fm slash early brb briefing short four minute versions of the of very something so very something similar to what we do here and also check out my twitch page twitch.tv slash eagle falcon there's also all the stories we didn't get to in this podcast into the subscriber episode you can find that anchor.fm slash eagle eyes on tech take care and i hope you have a great day 
Someone in chat is saying that the headphones are built in to... Of course the headphones are built in to the wireless headphones. They're, they're, they're just there. But I mean, like, if the whole air purifying mechanism is so loud like everything else that the headphones are drawn out, I'm going to need headphones for the headphones. But here's the real question I got to ask. Where is the RGB on these headphones? I mean, this is pretty much mandatory now. If we're going to go ahead and have a reusable tech-inspired piece of personal protective equipment that's going to purify the air we breathe in, it must also double as sweet rave gear. I want to see this thing light up like a giant rainbow rave. I mean, 100% of the equipment we had before had RGB. This one needs to as well. Or, you know, we could just not. 